The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. How do we like our martial arts? We like them short notice. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well played, Arch. Producer extraordinaire, E. Casey Lyon. And yes, that is the type of energy that we wanted to hear, that we want to see. Because UFC 294 going down tomorrow. As a matter of fact, 24 hours from right now. We're going to be on the final couple of prelims heading into the main card. Hashtag early day MMA. And as you can see in the poster, a couple of fascinating bouts that came together on less than two weeks notice. We get the rematch of the fight of the year so far. Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky 2. And we got Hamzat Shamayev returning to the octagon to face the former welterweight champion Kamara Usman. What a world we live in, everybody. Welcome to the UFC 294 preview show. I am Mike Heck, being joined by two of my favorites. First, my ball brethren, the wise wordsmith himself. He is Mr. Shaheen Al-Shadi. Shaheen, go D-backs. How are you? Go D-backs. Casey, my man, that was tremendous. This man is like a, a, a wonderful box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get with him. I love it every time. Mike, we're going to be watching fights right now at this exact moment, 24 hours from now. Hell yeah, morning MMA. We love that. And also joining us, the Prince of Positivity, the co-host of On to the Next One, and more importantly than that, is my best friend and yours, Mr. Alexander Kaylee, AK. Oh. I was gonna say, how tired are you on a scale of my one to ten friend. after waking up super early? Waking up from a from a, a, a slumber, but a, a, a lovely slumber because I went to bed thinking of of weigh-ins because we we did the weigh-in show at one in the morning Eastern time. It was eventful. We had the box of redemption out there. We had a couple of misses. We had one really big miss, but. Fortunately, no big misses at the top of the card, and uh, we've got all the big fights lined up. So, I am I am excited, man. I might not sleep for another twenty four hours, and I don't care. I'm I'm gassed up. 
Is it the box of redemption or the box of shame or is it today i feel like it was it was all over the place and if you ask casey uh he also called it the box of magic because tim elliott was throwing some aspersions at muhammad akayev saying that he did not believe he made he did not believe he made 126 pounds uh so casey said maybe it's not the box of magic and it magically made makayev make weight somehow so i don't know remember when habib stepped on the scale for the justin gaethje fight and he literally had like one foot on and they slammed the thing home 155 and that was just the the theme of that entire way. And is that if you stepped on the scale and you were within like three pounds, they slammed it home and was like, "Yep, you're in." They went digital scale for this one, AK. That's, no, no, no. They had the they had the, they had the they had the uh, they had the normal scale today, and they but they were and they were mostly using the Vegas method of oh, close enough, slam it home. So uh, I'm surprised they. Were, okay. I was surprised that Dudakova missed. I was surprised Dudakova was the other yeah. one of the fighters who missed. I was surprised they it was didn't a just point go like, six. Eh, I know. I don't. Six. I don't know why they didn't just let it slide. This it was crazy. early too it was early like she still had a, a bit of time to get that that off it didn't happen hey you don't need to when you're making 12 and 12 as long as you get that win bonus go home with a couple extra bucks shaheen i want to ask you about this because we have done numerous programs we've done btl we had some pre-fight q a talk about this we talked about it again on btl yesterday heck of a mornings all of that Round tables. We have not heard from you about this, Shaheen, since all the changes took place because we were supposed to get Islam Makachev versus Charles Oliveira to the rematch from literally this exact card last year. Instead, Volk steps in to replace Oliveira. We were supposed to get Hamza Shemaya versus Paulo Costa, a rivalry that has just been looking to explode for like two years now. The storyline was there. Hamza going up to 185, taking on a, a legit former title challenger 185 pounder and paul costa they didn't like each other there's a lot there we lose Oliveira. we get volk we lose costa we get usman do you like this better is this better in your eyes is it worse is it exactly the same where are you at with this it's not better i would say that right off the bat right it's not better if if, if the card that we had the initial iteration of it 9.9 out of 10 i say it's like an eight Eight and a half, maybe you could, you could, you could sell me an eight and a half, and I, I would buy that up. That being said, it's very good still, right? Like if this is the UFC working uh, overtime, working to to fix something last second, last notice, short notice, like this is about as good as you could possibly ask them to do. That being said, I mean, I I, I would still prefer the initial card because I think we were getting a lot of answers to some questions that I would still like to get answers to, in particular with the co-main, right? Like we have talked for like three years about Hamzat Shemaev sort of making this run, especially now at middleweight. We've been mulling over this for about a year. Is he a real middleweight? Can he face up against the the big time middleweights uh, of the 185 pound division? And so, of course, we end up with him fighting a welterweight for a potential middleweight title shot because that is how MMA works. So that that respect sucks. I do like the the Usman matchup as a whole just by itself like that's a good matchup if you throw that to me that at any point in time I'm happy with it but I would like the middleweight question answered and I don't think we're going to get it that being said there is some like cool side roads that open to it right Usman Strickland 2 randomly being up for grabs for 185 pound belt (laughs) is just the most bizarre thing ever that's now on the table uh, also, Hamza Shemaev, like whatever, regardless of whatever you say, Kamar Usman is one of the best fighters in the world still. So, like, that's still a really tough test for Hamza. Uh, and in the main event, I mean, obviously, I really wanted to see the Islam Makachev Charles Oliveira rematch. I didn't want to see this fight run back so quickly, but if there is an opportunity to, if there, if you are going to run it back, 
running it back in this type of situation makes more sense to me than if this was planned in this way, just because it, it has been so short since we last saw this. Uh, but having said, I mean, I, I don't know, like I've seen a lot of chatter this week about, oh, Alexander Volkanovsky has nothing to lose. Like this is, a, this is just, you know, perfect for Alex because he has absolutely nothing to lose. And that seems crazy to me. That seems really off to me because I, imme- I immensely respect what Alexander Volkanovsky is trying to do here. And I think if he's going to get this opportunity, like this is maybe the best chance for him just because Islam was very much not preparing for anyone remotely like him. So you're sort of catching Islam off guard too. You may be evening the stakes in that respect, especially if Alexander is to be believed that he was training beforehand for this and had an inkling that something might happen. And so it was just doing it just in case. But Alexander Volkanovsky has a lot to lose, man. He has a lot, a lot to lose. He is wagering a lot here. That man is 35 years old, and if he goes 0-2 against the lightweight champion, that sort of cements whatever the, that aspect of his legacy will be, right? Like, I don't know that we expect Islam to lose anytime soon, but even if he does, Alexander Volkanovsky is still 0-2 now at that point at this champ-champ run that he's trying to make, and he's getting up there at age. He's We always say it with the smaller guys, when you start hitting the mid to late 30s, Stuff goes quick, stuff goes overnight, and things happen that you don't expect from from challengers that you just don't expect because you just lose in that half a second. If Alexander Volkanovsky can't succeed in this in this second attempt to to be champ champ, it's just not in the cards for him. And you know that's okay. Like that's not that, the end of the world. A lot of fighters now never ended up being a two division champion. Max Holloway, Jose Aldo, all, all the greatest featherweights outside of Conor McGregor never did it. But that being said, I mean, that, I've said that being said a couple of times, but that's just the thing with this car, right? They, like, there's a lot of concessions that are being made all, all across the board from the main event to the co-main event. The fights are great still themselves, but there is a lot on the line now for a couple different guys now in a way that is very unique and interesting that wasn't there two weeks ago. Yeah, I'm with you. This To me, this isn't better, but it's not worse, and that alone makes this a, a massive win for the UFC because normally when we get these late shifts, it's drastically worse. Very little is it very few times is it better? And it's rare that it's even the same. So this is a huge win for the UFC. And to put these two fights together on 12 days notice, kudos to everybody involved. That includes Shamayev and Islam who are already scheduled to compete on the card anyways. AK, I want to go back to what Shaheen just said. Because we're going to dive into the main event. We're going to do gymnastics scale, all that stuff. But we're going to wait on that because Shaheen said something very interesting. He said that Alexander Volkanovsky has a lot to lose tomorrow. Taking the fight on 12 days notice, the cojones, all the talk, all the praise he's getting, certainly deserved. But I think Makachev deserves the same praise, if not more, for changing everything here. And he gets this opportunity. Even Makachev is saying, this dude's just fighting for a paycheck. He's got no losing, winning streak to lose anymore because I already beat him. He's got no title on the line. He's just going to make a whole bag of money, and then he's going to go back to 45 and defend his title. Do you agree with Shaheen? Do you feel like Volk has a lot to lose here? Yeah, I, I, I've been arguing that probably since when this fight was announced because uh, there's one or two people, maybe one specific person on the MMA fighting crew who is uh, not down with the... Alexander Volkanovsky has the you know biggest cojones in the sport, and he's putting so much on the line. Uh, we don't. We, he's been through enough. I don't need to name him. His first name has three letters. That's all you need to know. Uh, and if you've listened to any MMA fighting programming recently, you've seen this man very upset with the narratives that are forming around Volkanovsky jumping on this short notice opportunity. Somewhat understandably so. Uh, in some aspects and other aspects, not so much. But there, there is a lot to lose here. He's not getting a third shot. He's not getting a third shot if he loses Islam Makachev. And this means a lot to him. He, he is, since he lost that first fight, 
He has said he wants another shot. It means a lot to him. Yes, to become a two-division champion. Yes, to win the lightweight title. Uh, so I don't think – I think if that opportunity came along later, he'd still be happy to jump on it. But he really, really specifically wants to prove that he's better than Islam Makachev. It's kind of a weird thing because Islam himself hasn't had that dominant run at lightweight yet. So it's it's a little bit strange. Like why does – why is Volkanovski so hung up on beating this specific guy? I think there's a little bit of, of Habib proxy in there. Not to say that Volkanovski you know, would feel like, oh, I'd beat Habib if I beat Islam. But I think in the minds of a lot of people, Islam carried on that sort of – you know, the that Nurmagomedov lineage and has already kind of been deemed an invincible champion or at least you know, after he beat Charles the first time. People were like, wow, no one's going to take the title from this guy for a long time. And and then Volkanovski comes along, almost does it, and uh, and now that has become not his sole focus. He looked great against Yair Rodriguez. I think he was really looking forward to that um, proposed Ilya Tapuria fight we we're supposed to get in January. Uh, but it's always been on the back of his mind. He kept mentioning in interviews. It kept getting asked to him. He kept saying, "If that fight ever comes up, I want it." And now he's taking it. So he, I do think he has plenty to lose. It, it, it might, and who knows? Who knows what condition he'll come out of this fight? He escaped the first fight pretty healthy. I think we can say it's safe to say. But who knows? Who knows this time around? Taking it on short notice again, another tough fight with the other best fighter in the world. Uh, he, he might miss out not just on January. He says he wants to take the Tapuria fight, which seems unlikely in my mind. He might miss out on February, uh, March. Who knows? Maybe we don't see. Excuse me. Uh, maybe we don't see him again until next summer. Uh, it, it, it's it's really hard to say. So th- there's always risk in that aspect. He is also, I feel, risking his pound for pound spot. This is something I definitely want to mention. On MMA Fighting's uh, pound for pound rankings, we have Volkanovski number one. We kept him there after the Makachev loss because I think as most people would agree, he's the guy coming up. How much can he lose if he's the one? You know, it, even the first time around is a risky fight, but. He had far more to gain than he did to lose, right? Because he's the he's the featherweight champion coming up to fight the lightweight champion. So we kept him there. It's not unanimous, but he is slightly ahead and number one. In the UFC rankings, uh, he's also ahead of Makachev. He's number two, I think, and Makachev is number three. So there is something to be lost here. I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who still say, well, why does it matter if he loses to the if he loses to the lightweight champion? That still shouldn't affect his pound for pound ranking. I think at some point it has to. I think at some point it has to. I think I'll speaking for myself. I was willing to do the, well, if he loses, it doesn't really matter, especially if he puts on a competitive fight, which he did. I was willing to do that. If he loses again, there has to be some sort of consequence in the pound-for-pound rankings, I feel. And I will say it now, even if it's another competitive fight, if he comes out in the wrong of a decision, if he loses, uh, I will be be bumping him down. I, I don't remember exactly how I have them ranked now, but I'm pretty sure I still have Volk number one. I think he will lose that spot. And I think the UFC will also move Makachev up, possibly... Uh, past John Jones until uh, John Jones fights the Steve Bay, of course. So that that matters, and that matters to both guys. That pound for pound ranking, they do they care about that a lot. Yeah, I, I bumped Makachev to one after the win, but it was more like one A one B for me. But Makachev was one A because he won. But then Volk just pitched a perfect game against Yair Rodriguez. A lot of people thought Yair was going to be one of his tougher tests at one forty five, and he just iced him, destroyed him. So. 1B became 1A, 1A became 1B, and so forth and so on. So, Shaheen, you talk about what's at stake for Alexander Volkanovsky, and he's talked a lot about legacy and what this fight means and all of that, and it doesn't seem like he's using the 12 days notice as something to, like, boost up the fight and boost himself up, but it doesn't seem like he's going to use that as an excuse. So I'm not either. So however this plays out tomorrow, I'm not going to say, well, if he didn't have it on 12 days notice – 
I'm not going to feel any differently about it because he said yes. He'd feel he smiled when he got the phone call. So that's Volkanovsky's side. Now we have Islam Makachev, Shaheen. This dude has been clawing his way, trying to get big fights to get a title fight. Luckily, the lightweight division in its weirdness set it all up so that Islam Makachev could fight Charles Oliveira for the lightweight title, which was vacant at the time because Oliveira beat Justin Gaethje but missed weight the day before. Happened to be at Abu Dhabi, so the timing is absolutely perfect. Wins the fight, defends against Volkanovski after a tremendous Habib tag team callout of the featherweight champion on that very event. Wins the fight, and now he's back fighting the man again. What's at stake for Islam Makachev here, Shaheen Al-Shadi? How catastrophic is it for him if he loses this fight? Or is, do you feel like, well, 12 days notice, one and one, maybe it's not as bad? What do you think? What's at stake here for Islam outside of the title? I just love the breakdown you just did. How weird has this lightweight division been for the last half decade <laughs> at this point? Not even half decade. So like Conor McGregor wins the belt in 2016, which was objectively just a weird thing, right? Because it coincided with his whole rise and two division champ and just everything to do with it. And then he just abandons the belt for a year. We get Tony Ferguson in there, interim champ, hurts himself on a cord. Uh, the Khabib matchup just can't get in. Habib finally takes the belt, and then we get multiple interim champions over the course of Habib's run, right? We get Justin Poirier in there. We get Justin Gaethje, all these different interim champs. Charles Oliveira that finally comes, gets some stability finally in his division, and then he loses his belt on the scale. And now we have Islam Makachev, and his long-awaited title reign starts with two defenses against the featherweight champion. The UFC feather, the UFC lightweight championship record for title defenses, consecutive title defenses, is three. Islam Makachev is going to be two-thirds of the way there with just fighting featherweights if he wins on Saturday. This whole division just makes absolutely no sense. It, it hasn't for a while now, and this is just this is just very fitting for what 155 is. Especially, it's like it's the deepest division. It's the most fun division. There's just so many contenders, and none of them ever get their shots. And so we always just end up doing weird stuff because that's just how it goes. Uh, that being said, I mean... I got to stop saying that. Be said, I don't know why I've said that so many times today. Let's let's check me on that next time I do that. Uh, Islam Makachev is still putting a lot on the line here, right? Like the, he fought this man once already. Alexander Volkanovsky is objectively one of the best fighters in the world, and he was extremely competitive with Islam Makachev in that first matchup. I had it four one. A lot of people had it three two. Either way, uh, it was still close. And Alexander Volkanovsky, if you care about the optics, right, he ends that fight just optically very much winning in that fifth round, sort of controlling everything as the bell sounds in that fifth round and, and looking like he was taking momentum. So this is a very dangerous fight for Islam Makachev, especially because you consider like who he was preparing for, right? You're preparing for Charles Oliveira, this incredibly tall, long, lanky sort of jujitsu player who does it, who has like a very awkward striking game, but is, is, very powerful on the feet, but we'll also try to pull these Fabrizio Verdum style, like over-exaggerated guard pulls and things like this when you nail them. And then you switch all the way to, to Alexander Volkanovsky, who's just a polar opposite in every respect. He's shorter, he's he's quicker, he's maybe not as powerful, but he's a lot more technical and he's not going to be doing that kind of stuff and he's not really hunting you on the ground either. It's just such a stylistically different matchup that Islam was, was angling for and preparing for this whole time it's tough man i mean you can you can say anything you want about the weight classes you can say anything you want about the size in that first fight alexander volkanovsky definitely looked like the fighter coming up from the lower weight class but ultimately is alexander volkanovsky is very 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 good at fist fighting and if for you to overlook that for anyone to ever overlook that would be a grievous error so i mean 
Islam Makachev isn't fighting a lightweight here. He isn't fighting, you know, who he thought he was going to fight. But it's still an extremely dangerous fight to accept Alexander Volkanovsky if you're anyone on two weeks' notice. If you're John Jones and you're fighting Alexander Volkanovsky on two weeks' notice, you're taking a risk there because that man is very good. AK, same question. What's at stake for Islam Makachev? Does he have the most to lose on this entire card tomorrow? Yeah, he he has uh, not the most. I, I don't know if he has the most to lose in the card. He has more to lose than Volkanovski. That's for sure. Uh, if he loses, he's losing to a smaller man. He's losing to a smaller man. Twelve days notice. A guy. It, it'll it'll kill me because it'll retroactively color the first fight. People will go like, oh wow, Volkanovski beat him twice. Like they'll use they'll use the fifth round of the first fight and then obviously a potential win on Saturday to like discredit Islam, which is crazy to me because I I rewatched that first fight. People, check out the Retro Rob Review on MMAfighting.com. It's a great website. Uh, it was a pleasure to rewatch it for both fighters, but especially for Islam because I think even though I scored the fight for Islam uh, the first time around, I didn't fully appreciate how good he was in that fight, not just with the grappling, but with the striking. I, I, I think the issue is he's he's not um, super theatrical, and there was a lot of show in that fight. Volkanovski had great moments you know, showing to the crowd, you know, getting out, surviving the back control and shouting and then ending the fight on top. And those are the images that people remember. Uh, Makachev didn't really have anything like that, even though he stumbled. He didn't. He didn't knock him down, but he stumbled Volkanovski once. Uh, but he didn't like play it up. He didn't like hit up, crack him, and then go like, "Yeah, bring it on!" Like that's just not what he's going to do. So he needs. He he really needs this win because there's no. I see a lot of people in the comments saying he's sort of uncharismatic, and. Uh, I think that's a fair thing to say, and, and it's not an insult to him. It's not. I, I've always said with fighters, I understand it's prize fighting, it's sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it. Um, part of it is 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 being someone who engages the fans, not just in the cage. But some people, it's hard to do. It's just not their skill, and I think it's almost unfair to hold Islam to that standard. But that is a standard to which he is held. Uh, and so, but all he can do again, he can't control that. He can't change his personality overnight. All he can do is win, and and he needs to do this win. It, he needs to put this Volkanovski feud behind him. And no matter how he wins, again, unless it's some flat-out robbery or controversial stoppage, uh, as long as his hand is raised, this chapter of his career is done. And as Shaheen kind of alluded to, perhaps now he can finally move on to breaking the lightweight tail defense record by actually defending against lightweights. Uh, <laughs> but it's it, it, but it all it all starts on Saturday. So uh, uh, he just he doesn't have a ton to gain other than what we kind of mentioned before about you know maybe finally getting the pound for pound respect right at the top that that he uh, he arguably deserves. Um, but other than that, there's going to be a lot of people taking away from uh, from the win because the short notice, the smaller opponent. Um, but I, I tell you, I, I don't think him and his team will care two craps about that if they if they get out of there with the W and really never have to talk about the Volkanovski fights again, other than to say, wow, weren't those two fights amazing? That, that's all I hope we say after this. I, I hope that uh, that this feud is resolved. Unless Volkanovski wins, and I'd love to see a trilogy, of course. It's just We crazy. live in a world. Yeah, it, we also just, live in a world where he could just go up – Makachev could just go up to 170 after this and not defend the uh, title against the current lightweight ranked fighter. It's very uh, possible. We're we're in a oh. world where eight months eight months from now, Islam Makachev could be tying the UFC's all-time hallowed record, tying Habib Nurmagomedov's record for most title defenses in this division, and he will have fought one lightweight over that time. It will just be tremendous. It's wild. Unless somebody falls out and Volk steps in again, and then we do it again. We get the trilogy. Let's go. <laughs> we could get the trilogy. So uh, before we go to predictions, I want to go back to Volkanovsky, Shaheen, because – 
something AK said has made a lot of sense. And we've seen it throughout the build to this fight. Volk getting the lion's share of the credit. Makachev just, you know, whatever. Even though Dana White has really put him over, we're going to put the quote on the the apex wall. Like, it's huge thing. Doesn't matter. I'm the champion. You asked me to fight somebody, I'm going to say yes. And I, like I said, I give Makachev a ton of credit for that. I know you did as well. But if Volkanovski goes out here and does this in Abu Dhabi on 12 days notice, becomes a two-division champion, beats Islam Makachev, who has not lost in a very, very long time. In fact, he hasn't even, hasn't even really been in trouble in any fight in a very, very long time, except for round five of the Volkanovski fight. What does this mean for Alexander Volkanovski? I don't think he's the greatest of all time, but he is he... Is he rushmoring it? Is he knocking on the door? Is he just one spot behind the velvet rope, Shaheen, if he wins this fight tomorrow? Well, that depends. I mean, when you say the greatest of all time, do you mean as a featherweight or just as a whole? Because I think he's still pretty far away from as a whole. People have brought this up. It's a heck of a morning question. Where does where does Volk enter the greatest? We just discussion? can't escape it. Holy crap! We just cannot it's escape. Fair, it. Though this is a fair question. It's a fair question here. We are we. Many people have saying he he is he might be the best fighter we've ever seen. He's the featherweight champion. Just look like I want to see the Taporia fight. But if he beats Taporia, ain't nobody beating this man at 145 pounds. But if he goes in on 12 days notice, up a weight class, and beats Islam Makachev after taking him to the limit in February, does he at least? Are, are you prepared to live in this world where people are going to have that conversation is, is, is I guess where I will put this because that conversation is going to happen. People are going to have dumbass conversations regardless of whether I feel good about it or not. So I don't really care about people's conversations. I literally just did a, th- a three hour podcast about Anderson Silva like earlier this week with, with Jeb Bishu and Guillermo Cruz and Eric Jackman. And so I have, I have sworn off having the GOAT conversation until guys are done because Anderson Silva was 38 years old, 16 and 0 in the UFC. And then things happen if you just keep going. So I'm not going to keep doing this thing where we call somebody something when, when they're in the middle of their story rather than the end because the end still matters on all of this. Uh, if Volk wins we will have a very interesting situation, right? Because he is someone who, of all of the champ-champ sort of dialogue, attempts, everything, every every one of these guys is like, oh, I'm going to be a two-division champ. I'm going to be active in both divisions. I'm going to really just make it work. We're not going to slow anybody down. And then everybody ultimately gets incredibly slowed down and nothing happens in these divisions when it actually works out. And we just get like one title defense a year and just it's, it's all weird, right? Like Daniel Cormier is the only guy that sort of defended both belts. But even that took so long over the course of his whole heavyweight situation like it bogs down these divisions when we do this champ champ stuff volkanovsky is the one guy i believe when volkanovsky says i will be an active champ i will defend at 145 i will fight Ilya Taporia in february i will fight uh you know somebody else in in april or, or may like i i i believe him because he's just that guy like we have a paper trail of him just being that guy of just wanting to hey Again, I hate to go back to the edge, but I am 35 years old. This window for me is incredibly small right now, and he seems very aware of that. Just let me rack up as many records as I can, as many title defenses as I, as I can. Let's just put these numbers as high as they possibly can be. I believe him when he says he wants to fight Elliot Tapori at the beginning of next year. I believe him when he says he wants to go back and forth and do this as a, as a two-division champ. I think he can. We'll probably end up just seeing the trilogy next, ultimately, because that's what the UFC does. Uh 
and I don't know that that is some real appealing answer, but you never know. We have to see how this plays out on Saturday. But I don't know that it's the end of the world. Like Jed, Jed very much feels like it's the end of the world if Alexander Volkanovsky wins on Saturday. I don't, I don't subscribe to that notion. I think that the, if one man can do this and sort of keep this active, especially for two very good divisions like this, it's got to be Volk. It's, it's the end of Jed's world. That's for sure. I mean, his world, his world is done. His world is done. He's, he's leaving Twitter. I think he said he's just leaving combat sports in general. I think he said he's going to go farm or something. He'll go become a farmer. No, 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 no. He said <laughs> he was going to leave the sport if uh-huh. Volk wins and calls out Conor McGregor. Then he's Oh, yeah, that's the, the one. That's the one, though. <laughs> he's probably leaving social media in, in any event if a Volkanovsky, a Volkanovsky win. But the McGregor thing will – you'll just never see Jed again. You'll just – it's like, you know, he'll and, and he'll be fine. You know, he'll be fine. I'm sure he'll be living a happy life somewhere. But uh, he'll have to put this one behind him uh, for that to happen because it's it, – it, it it'll be too much uh, it'll be too much i i am comfortable very comfortable putting volkanovsky and this i don't think there's a hot take at all i think if you want to say one of the top t- already top 10 best pound for pound all time sure sure very strong argument in there he's got the tell defensive featherweight if he beats uh islam it's it's a lock now, most of us though i think we have a pretty firm like the, the top three uh in in some order of john jones george st pierre anderson silva uh, and then you can kind of play around with some other ones. Like you can, you, there's uh, Mighty Mouse. I think I would have in mind, but you also have to take into account Habib. You have to take into account Fedor. Did I say Fedor already? You have to take into account Jose Aldo. Um, uh, Jose Aldo is an interesting one because he is in the featherweight division with Volkanovski. And then you're not going to have people saying, "Well, did he has when? What does it take for him to pass Aldo?" I don't think he's done it yet. If people want to say they have because he beat him head to head and just you know different opponents, whatever, whatever. Fine, I'm not making that case right now. Uh, so firmly in the top 10 already, a win over Makachev for me does not immediately put him in the top, top five. Does not. Um, I'm sure for some people it will. I have no problem with that. I think I, as we kind of mentioned, I want to see him pile up the stats just a little bit more. Six, seven, eight title defenses. It's a lot to ask. I know nobody does that in today's um, in today's uh, MMA world. But, you know, if he wins the lightweight title, maybe, you know, a couple of more featherweight title defenses, a couple of lightweight title defenses. Then no, we're having then, a real conversation. Then then we're we're no, having a real like how do you keep him out of the top? People five? do do that. People do do that. Jose Aldo did it. He's some guy. He's a guy who did it. It's a it's a thing that that happens. That has happened. That's a lot. That how has long happened ago in that? this division? Actually, Shaheen, Shaheen, do you know how long ago this was? Now I don't want to make us sound old. Do you know how long ago this was? His featherweight. That's who cares? It it matters. It, of course, ten it years passed, and I did something I cool ten years ago that no one else has ever done since. Well, Does that change the fact that I did it? What are we talking I, about? I, I, no, because I do think there's something to be said about comparing eras. I, I think it was certainly when you're talking about other uh, other sports, you you know, there, you would look at guys from Bill Russell won 10, 11 NBA championships. Like you just can't do that now. Does that mean Bill Russell by default is better than all these guys? To go out? No, no. It's a different. It's a different atmosphere. It's a different feel. It's still incredible. I think you still like you know those kind of accolades keep you in the conversation forever but to say those accolades can never be like topped uh without Compare- doing like the ex- without doing the exact same thing i think is not fair i think it's not comparing it's just not bill how sports russell, works comparing bill russell beating janitors in the 60s with modern era basketball than comparing jose aldo with just like 10 years ago no, i'm, I'm just cre- i'm just it's not just equivalent to me no but i'm just giving you an extreme example like as eras go along the standard for what you know qualifies for all-time greatness it, it has to shift it has to shift. now again if you're me like i said i'm probably never almost nothing will happen that will bump george st pierre like anderson silva John Jones out of those somewhere out of the top. Like, there's almost nothing someone can do unless they won like 20 straight title defenses. Went under, went 45. 
but within reason, there's almost like that. So you're so you're right. There there is a limit. I feel like to where like we don't we don't have to go. Oh well, this guy defended it four times in this era, which I feel is tougher. So that makes him you know that that easily makes him uh, better than these guys who fought ten years ago. I agree that that would be a bit absurd. That'd be a bit absurd. But Volkanovski is at five. Five title defenses is a lot. Uh, if he wins the lightweight title and defends it a couple of times there, and then defends the featherweight title, if we're talking like eight nine total title defenses then we're having the conversation and i get it and then that's getting closer to the number of um the greats the pound for pound greats that we've been discussing but again i don't feel like he necessarily has to do exactly what they did um it would certainly help his case so and and uh, even just winning on on saturday if people want to put him in the top five it's it you can you can make an argument for it you can make an argument for it what a world my friends all right prediction time because we have another big fight to talk about uh shaheen islam makachev Minus 250 favorite. Line closing a little bit. Alexander Volkanovsky, the featherweight champ, coming back. 12 days notice, plus 205. Who leaves Etihad Arena, the lightweight champion of the world, Shaheen? What's that line movement been? It's plus 205 now. What, what did it start at? I Well, for context, I have a bet for watch party funs, funsies. I got Volka plus 220 yesterday. Oh, so it's dropping. Yeah interesting interesting this is a tough one man i have kind of vacillated back and forth throughout this week as we've heard from these guys we've sort of seen the layout in in abu dhabi the lay of the land it's a really tough one i think if you go i like to separate my head from my heart a lot of times with these picks right but then i'm always conflicted because i'm such a vibes guy and if you go with your head like it feels like islam makachev he won the first fight that was not long ago. He should have a lot of that preparation already in the bank already from just doing it eight months ago. He should win this fight, right? Like we saw that fight play out. He won the majority of that fight. I had it 4-1, 3-2, whatever you want to put it at. He won the majority of that fight. The end was what it was, but the, we do not f- judge fights solely based on the end. But the vibes, man. This just The vibes this week just feel like it's a Alexander Volkanovsky week. Right. Like this feels like something's happening right now. And sometimes those vibes will lead you astray. Maybe people felt those vibes when George Masvidal, when Jorge Masvidal was trying to do what he did on short notice against Kamaru Usman, only to get foot stomped into eternity for 25 minutes straight. And we never thought about those vibes again. The vibes can betray you, my friends. They really can. I just have an overwhelming sense right now that the vibes are just immaculate for team Volkanovsky, it feels like something's happening. It feels like this will be something that we will celebrate and remember of him doing this. And I want to hop on that train. I'm going Alexander Volkanovsky fourth round TKO. I just think he can find a way to get to some positions and get something going and get it done. Ultimately in the end, Islam Makachev seems to really be banking on the fact that this is not in Australia, that this is in a more friendly territory for him, that the crowd's going to be on his side. And I don't know. And so it, I don't want to say that that fixation has has any any impact on my opinion on this fight, but it is a little strange. And Volkanovski's picking up on that. And I don't know, just the vibes, man. I can't get over that this feels like we're watching something. The 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 quintessential Volkanovski story play out in front of our eyes right now. And I'm just hopping on that. I have Volk by fourth round TKO. Damn, AK and new or and still. I, I'm, I'm going and still, but it almost changed my mind. Shaheen, a master storyteller and very much painting what would be the most dramatic possible, most dramatic picture possible, excuse me, uh, that we could have uh, in this fight. Even better than Volkanovski, like, again, getting revenge be a decision, but, like, getting into those championship rounds and pouring on the pace. 
I like it. I like it. I like it. And again, I never want to downplay Volkanovski's performance as much as I've been stomping, stamping my feet and telling people not to complain about the judging in the first fight. Pretty clear uh, Volk- uh, Makachev victory for me. Um, it, it would be cool. It, it would be cool to see uh, Volkanovski turn things around and, and, and kind of flip the whole, you know, just, just take hold of the entire narrative. As, again, as much as I would hate to see it uh, affect the first fight, which it should. So uh, I, I love Volkanovski doing this. I do think that uh, short notice affects both guys. Um, but I think Makachev, and, I, and I'm probably being too, now, now I'm probably relying too much on what I saw in the first fight and I, having just recently rewatched it. I do really believe skill-wise he might be the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world right now um i'm I'm trying to figure what volkanovs could do different maybe be more aggressive maybe push the pace more but he was pretty active in that first fight you know i think that's that's the the strongest case for people saying he might have won a couple of the earlier rounds maybe he was you know just doing more um i don't think he was as effective as people think he was at first glance but he was doing a lot and it was impressive to watch it was in his pace over 25 rounds was unbelievable but the wrestling of Makachev, the underrated striking, Makachev I think is a really good striker and just does not get credit for it. I'm not sure why. I Maybe because the wrestling is so good, they just assume that the striking has to be bad, which is false. Uh, I think the size does matter too. I, I do think there was a power advantage in the first fight. Again, people go back and rewatch it, see who landed the heavier shots. I assure you it was Islam Makachev. Uh, and that's just how physics works, guys. So that's going to play out the second time. I've got Makachev winning a decision again. I think it's going to be more convincing, and I think it might not be as exciting as the first fight because if you guys remember round four where Makachev was finally able to take Volkanovski's back and actually control it uh, for a, a long stretch of time, I think we actually might see a little bit more of that in this fight as well. So still be a good fight. I think it's a lot to live up to um, their first encounter, but I will have uh, Makachev by, again, similar decision, 49-46 or uh, convincing 48-47. So my from a betting perspective, every bet I have on this fight, and it's – well, not necessarily, but in terms of like a side, it's all on Volkanovski. I just thought the value was too good at plus 220. I do have an inside the distance bet uh, at plus 500 for Volkanovski's. But if you're asking me like if the odds were completely even, who are you picking? I'm picking Islam Makachev to win this fight. We've seen it before. We're going to see it again. Makachev's going to be – Makachev took a lot away from that fight. He's a competitor. Volk took a lot away from that fight, and I feel pretty confident that both those guys have been – borderline obsessed with each other since February. At least at some point, they were thinking about moments in that fight, what they could have done better, what they could do better next time around. I do think there's a part of Makachev that felt maybe I'll fight Volkanovski, and I feel like there's a part of Volkanovski, and if you read ESPN's column that Mark Ramundi wrote, Volk was ready. They went to dinner with Hunter Campbell, him and his manager, at UFC 293 and Volk basically told Hunter Campbell like hey if something happens call me I'm I'll I'll take it and sure enough phone rang he took it and here we are so I think it's I think it's gonna be fun I think Volk's gonna be I think Volk will be more aggressive in this fight I think he's gonna come out he might even win the first round Volk might come out win the first round kind of overwhelm Makachev but here's the thing Volk is so good at making adjustments and he gets so much credit for it. And I think it's the max, the second Max Holloway fight where everyone really started to pay attention. I think we need to really start paying attention to the adjustments Islam Makachev can make in a fight as well. Because like AK reference, you could see it in round four of their first fight where it looked like the momentum was starting to shift a little bit. Volk was starting to get something cooking. And then Makachev was like, nah, it's going to take you down. And this is what I'm going to do to you. So I do think this fight is competitive. 
But I do think in the end, Makachev does enough to get it done. Could be a 49-46, but maybe a 49-46 that seems closer. But yeah, I got Makachev winning a decision. But from a betting perspective, it's on Volkanovski with the value that I'm getting. So there you go. Let's move on to the co-main event. Shaheen, oh, my best, before my best get, friend, before oh, my best yeah. friend, I do want to say I asked, we polled the people. We got a very big oh. sample size. Over a thousand votes, fifty-six percent Makachev. Okay. It's about where I would I put it. I think I'm not so. surprised by that. No, I'm not, not at surprised all. by that at all. No, no. Should be a, a hell of a fight. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before we actually get to the code man eventually, someone asked this question on heck of a morning and I wanted to get your take on this because basically the way he asked this question was somebody had said, dude, this UFC 294 card might be the most stacked of the year. And this person kind of chuckled at him a little bit. And then he goes, why do you feel that way? And he goes, the reason I feel this way is because if I have a feeling that three, four, five years from now, we're going to look back on this card because of who's fighting in the main event and the co-main event. Could we, could we actually reflect on this card three years later, Shaheen, and say the four competitors in the main and co-main event were four of the 20 best fighters in UFC history? Maybe. That's an interesting that question. question. That is a great question. I, I mean, it's totally possible, right? Like they all have – Volk's already put in that work. Islam obviously has the potential for that kind of trajectory. We've all seen it. Hamza as well. Kamara's already put in that work. I mean, we're halfway there already. That's a, that's an interesting question. I have not thought of that, but it's possible. It's certainly possible. I still, you still, you let me watch one pay per view this year, and I'm watching the next one. I'm watching Jones, and I'm watching Pereira Yuri, just because Pereira Yuri is is my holy grail. Like that's. I, I, I break out into hot sweats anytime I think about that fight. I, I, I desperately just want to stay alive long enough to, to see that fight because I that fight is just everything to me. Uh, but yeah, that's a really interesting way to frame this. I haven't thought about that. You might be right. Could this one age like fine wine in that, in that perspective, AK? 
That's so great. What, who, sorry, who who phrased this? This, this was a, a a listener, or this is one of you, gentlemen. You was Steam. This is somebody on someone asked this on Heck of a Morning. I think it might have okay. been Cole. I don't remember who it was, but someone phrased this question. I'm like, wow, that's a really good question. Yeah, shout out to whoever did because that's that's fun. That that is such a fun way of MMA is supposed to be fun. I say this all the time, right? That's such a fun way of looking at this. Um, I, I didn't really answer the, the first question you asked way way back at the top of the show, Mike. Like, is this, I, I am pretty adamant that I think the card is better now. And when you frame it that way, yeah, I mean, it's 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 so lovely. Yeah, Volkanovski Usman already in there. So uh, Hamza probably is a little bit on the outside looking in. I, I do think we've. Um, a lot of us have got well, gotten the hype train when it started, never really got off, probably were a little uh, shaken by the the stupid UFC 279 fiasco. Like, is this guy serious? Is this guy taking this seriously? Um, but man, the in-cage results are just so spectacular. Uh, we were talking on a show earlier today uh, on the, uh, the weigh-in show, Jose brought it up, that like uh, uh, having a highlight reel is so important for your legacy and for how the UFC and fans view you. And Shamayev through six UFC fights, his highlight reel is unbelievable. It is better than some guys have through 15, 16. There's guys who have been 20 fights in the UFC who like have okay highlight reels. Nothing near what he has. Fast knockouts, dominant ground and pound, suffocating like just Cobra-like submissions. And then an all-out brawl with Gilbert Burns is awesome. So even if Hamza does not make the top 20, even if he doesn't make the top 30, he will be remembered, I think, as one of the most memorable fighters of this era, whatever you want to call that, like whatever, the 2010s to the 2020s, the 2020s, 2030s, just whatever era we happen to be in now, the Endeavor era, I don't know. Um, he will be memorable. So while Islam, Volkanovski, Usman, I think pretty comfortably could slot into that top 20 all time at some point, even if Hamza doesn't going to make it, he is part of this story. Uh, and that does make me really that does make me agree with the with the uh, the suggestion that we will look back on 294 and just from the top four fights alone. Not to mention, I know we're going to get into the rest of the card later. Not to mention some of these other uh, promising names, um, and we're going to be like, yeah, this was this 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 was something special. You know, no matter who wins the fights, this was something special when it was put together. I will say, course, it was, yeah, it, it, listening to the weigh-in stream, it blew me away thinking about the Gerald Mearshart thing being as long ago as it was. Like this has been a three-year thing for Hamza Shemaev, and it's just so funny the way that these – the lifespan of these sort of narratives, right? Because he blows up into our life as this guy taking these short-notice fights, fastest turnaround ever, the 10-day turnaround, all of it, the fight island, all the hype. And then what happens? We just don't see him again. Like he has gone from the most active fighter ever to just like – this missing person that we see once a year, it, the way that this has been handled and like the way that if you would have painted how the next few years would have played out back then in 2020, it would just wouldn't have made sense, right? Like the way that we got to know this guy is so vastly different than the reality that we've sort of been left with over the last three years. We barely ever see Hamza Shemaev. He's not even ranked right now on MMA fighting because we don't even know what to do with him anymore. We took him out of the welterweight rating. It's like everybody individually, not even like as a team. It's just very weird. The whole This whole Hamza Shemaev chapter so far has just been incredibly bizarre. And hopefully this is the start of the real run, right? Because I think we've all just been waiting for him to actually get going in fights that matter. And that's what makes this all so interesting, Shaheen, because now Kamaru Usman is stepping in. Sorry the landscapers are outside, but I think what made this such an interesting choice is that nobody saw it coming. Nobody saw Kamaru Usman coming. We got Russo swerved, and it was just brilliant because this is the fight most people wanted to see a couple of years ago when Shamayev was on the rise and Usman was still the welterweight champion. And the last 11 or so days have been – 
met with, wow, this is really interesting. How about this? And then we get a little bit of drama earlier this week, thanks to Twitter being just an absolute cesspool of caca and poo-poo. It's so bad, man. And we get this whole knee gate from Kamara Usman and Justin Gaethje at the open workout. People are obviously, they're master lip readers, apparently. And it said Usman popped his knee out. Usman has to answer to those people. He's got to answer to the UFC. Even said he had to answer to the UFC doctors once some of those things came out. Knee's good to go. He's good to go. Makes weight at 184 and a half, I believe. Shamayev looks like a freaking tank with a beard. This fight, is. I feel like by the time we get to the actual card on Saturday, as fascinating as the main event is, I feel like this co-main event is what everyone's going to be psyched about, Shaheen. Where are you at with this fight after 11 days of craziness? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. And the, the, the fact is, we've seen the main event before, and we've seen it recently, right? Like, it was amazing. It was spectacular. It was fight of the year for me still as the front runner. But we've seen it, so we have some level of expectation. I have no idea what the expectation should be for this co-main event. I, I've been waiting for this. We've all been waiting for this forever, For like I just said, for three years for Hamza Shemayev to get this sort of proper matchmaking escalation we thought we got it with the gilbert burns fight and that was amazing that was a fight of the year contender in and of itself and it taught us a lot about hamza shemaev but then since then it has not been an escalation it's been a de-escalation right we went from that to nate diaz and kevin holland like it, it didn't make sense the 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 way that the ufc sort of manufactured this run for him so this is certainly going to be the most intriguing part of the night for me because Whatever you think of Kamaru Usman, if you think he's done, if you think he's past it, if you think he's washed up, that's certainly not what you thought a year ago, right? Like things change quickly and I get it. He, he's sort of at that age where things will change quickly. But I still have Kamaru Usman as one of the best damn fighters in the entire world. And they, they I mean, Hamza Shemaev was a welterweight until very recently. So this matchmaking still is intriguing to me. And also, I just, again, man, I can't stop. I can't get it out of my head of the potential now for the weirdest possible scenario in this middleweight division because this middleweight division deserves weirdness and that's just what it brings it rot to itself right is all sorts of weirdness forever and there is no weirder circumstance than all of a sudden sean strickland winning the title kamar usman getting this short notice situation and the rematch that we all knew we would eventually see at ufc 210 when they fought on the deep prelims of this card right before a mike delatore fight that these two guys would fight again for the 185 pound title a few years later. Like it just doesn't make sense, but nothing about middleweight makes sense. And the UFC loves nothing more than to punish and be vindictive. And you're over here. If you're DDP, who obviously should fight for this middleweight title next, you didn't take a short notice fight. These guys did. They're going to jump you just because that's the way these guys, Dana White and the rest of these guys think it's on the table. And it's just a, the most bizarre possible. like outcome for all this, and it seems like at 185, the most bizarre outcome tends to happen. Okay, this is one of those fights where I, I feel like I have a really good read on what's going to happen. But then the deeper I dive into it, I'm like, I have no effing clue what I'm talking about. Because this thing could go a number of different ways. And I think the more we've gotten closer to tomorrow, the more interested I've gotten in this fight. I still would have preferred the cost of fight for the reasons I talked about earlier. But this is still a tremendous plan B and maybe better than any other realistic option that was out there. One of the options, which I talked about a heck of a morning a couple weeks ago, once this fight was made, I said I would tell the story. And now that it's out there in another outlet, the f you want to know who the first phone call was to fight Hamza Chemaev? Sean Strickland. 
they were going to do the Sean Strickland fight. It's crazy. It's freaking crazy. If but only out of all the if out of all the names on the table during that wacky forty eight hour stretch of trying to figure out whether or not Paul Costa was going to fight or not, Kamar Usman wasn't even on the list. So here we are, a day later. Where are we at with this fight? Two welterweights fighting at middleweight, and the stakes could not be higher on twelve days notice. I love it because we say all this is the kind of weirdness in MMA that I can get behind because we say it all the time like we hate seeing extreme weight cutting and the jump from uh, welterweight to middleweight is considerable this is like this is more than the lighter weight classes this is when you start reaching 50, 15 pound difference territory so if in a perfect world again I would have loved to see these uh, these guys fight at 170 I, I get it and and it's certainly a better scenario for Kamar Usman because Kamzat Shamayev is a large man Asking him to cut down to 170, even if he makes it, it's going to take something out of him on on fight night. So if this had happened during Usman's championship reign, it would look very different. The odds would look very different. Our expectations would be very different. Um, as it stands, and also, again, this would have been 18 months ago, two years ago, this would have happened. Uh, so we're, we've got to bring age into account here as well. Because, because as it stands, it feels like, even though I'm so excited about getting this fight, I have no problem with the way it's come together. It does. It do, It is different than if we had seen Hamzat challenge for the title. I think Usman still would have been favored, maybe not huge because there was a ton of hype behind Hamzat at, at the time. There has been really for the last four years. You know, it doesn't matter how often he's fought. Four years, two years, two years, four years. Anyway, however long ago, five, three years, three or four years. Uh, now the odds are, I believe, uh, Shamayev something minus two hundred, minus uh, or above that, and that it seems crazy and it seems odd, and yet. It also just makes a strange amount of sense. We are viewing Hamzat as the more natural middleweight. We are viewing uh, Usman as the older fighter who is coming off of losses. He looked, I thought he looked very good in the Leon Edwards fight. I, did, I didn't think he won. I, th- I didn't think that fight was controversial. I thought a pretty convinc- convincing win for Leon Edwards. But Usman didn't look bad at all. He looked good. He looked very good. But these. Once you hit a certain age uh, in fighting, I mean, you have as much mileage as Usman. Uh, he's 36, and he's a hard 36, man. This guy's been fighting for a long time and fighting at a high level. The, the quality of opponents he's had to go through and go the distance, five rounds, five rounds, five rounds, five rounds. It's, it's, a ton, it's a ton of mileage. And when you start to decline, I think you just start to decline pretty quick. He might still look great in the scale. He probably still looks amazing in training. Hashtag best camp ever. I'm sh- well, really, sorry. Hashtag no camp. There's a, I can't even say you had the best camp ever. Hashtag no camp. He still looks like he's in great shape. Um, and is a guy who I think is pretty much training all year round as long as he's healthy. Um, but I can only, I can only sort of hang on to that notion that this guy uh, is still, you know, in championship form for so long. So uh, I, I love this fight. Uh, I'm just, I'm a little worried. Come fight night, it might not play out. Um, as competitively or as an exciting a fashion as we're all hoping for. Oh, well, you segue mm. be perfect. Let's get into it because mm. there's a million other things. We could talk about Shamayev's scary faces during co-interviews. We could talk about everything else that went down. I will say this before we get to picks. Shamayev looks like an absolute ginormo. He is humongous. That ceremonial away in face-off, Usman's looks damn good getting off the bus and he looks like he could be a full-time middleweight shamayev looks like he's knocking on the door of cruiserweight right now at like 220 he looks huge and that is going to be such a fascinating part of this fight so shaheen 
Currently, according to our friends at DraftKings, Hamza Chemaev, the favorite, minus 340, the comeback on the former welterweight champion of the world, Kamara Usain, plus 270. Who gets it done? Not only does Hamza look huge, he's going to get longer window than normal to recover all of that weight, right? Yep. Like the, re- the rehydration period between this one is much longer than we usually get just because of the time difference in Abu Dhabi. So, hey, man. I, mean, I agree with you. Seeing that, seeing that face-off was, it was interesting to say the least. Ultimately, for me, this fight comes down to a simple fact that Kamaru Usman is a 36-year-old who has done it all. One of the greatest of all, one of the greatest ever in his weight class, easily top two welterweight of all time. All the title defenses, he has all that. But he's also a 36-year-old who's done it a lot, has a lot of mileage on him, and has bad knees, and has had bad knees for a while. And we and, and we were able to sort of foretell his downfall eventually, right? We were talking about this in the last few years of his title run of like, he is creeping up there in age, and he has that wear and tear. Eventually, something's going to happen. And it did against Leon Edwards twice. And meanwhile, on the other side, Hamza Shamayev out there, hungry, 29 years old, in his absolute prime, just ready to start making his mark on this sport. It just feels like we're, these two guys are meeting each other at wrong times in their career. I wish we could have gotten this fight a couple of years ago. I think this is going to be a competitive fight. I think Kamar Usman will have his moments, but ultimately I think Hamza Shamayev wins in a fairly decisive fashion and goes on to fight for the middleweight title because that's how spiteful the UFC are. AK, what's the pick here? I agree with everything uh, Shaheen said about uh, Usman's, you know, again, the age that we're entire mention for as well. I don't want to harp on it too much because I also want to put some of the shine back on Shemaev. I think this guy is who we think he is. I think all the hype that we've seen, as, as much as it sucks that we haven't got to see him compete as much as we wanted to, every time he steps in there, it's exciting. I don't want to hear, again, Mike, you and I say this all the time. We don't want to hear anyone uh, say that the Gilbert Burns fight was some sort of... Um, mark that should be held against Tamza Shemaev. That's absurd. That fight, if anything, proved his toughness. Maybe not his smarts. Maybe he should have used his wrestling more. But as far as his toughness, going hammer, you know, hammer and tongs with Gilbert Burns for three rounds, that was awesome. That was one of the best fights of the year. I don't I don't think it won I don't think it won our fight of the year, but it was it finished in the top five. Such a great fight. And again, Hamza could have been smarter. If he, if he wasn't more careful, hell, he probably could have lost that fight. But that was a big, big, big test for him. Gilbert Burns is an awesome fighter. And the fact that uh, Shemaya was able to win the decision there says a lot about his ability. So we can say everything we want about Usman, you know, not being, you know, maybe being 80% of what he was, right? I still think there's a chance that Shemaya could have beaten the best version of him. Uh, I think Shemaya is that good. I'm that much of a believer in his wrestling, his ground and pound, his just raw power. I don't think he's a better striker technically than Usman, but that might not matter uh, the way this fight's going to play out on Saturday. So I'm all in on the Shemaya train still, and I think everyone, anyone who hopped off is going to be back on. I think Shemaya is going to win by knockout. I'll go there. So I have a bet on this fight. Uh, it's Hamza Chemaev inside the distance. I think I got it like minus 115 or something like that, and you'll see them all in the watch party. But here's the thing. Would I be surprised if Kabar Usman went in there and chin-checked Hamza Chemaev and knocked him unconscious? I would not be surprised at all. I would react like, wow, I can't believe that just happened. But I would also react the same way if Hamza Chemaev just one-punched Kabar Usman unconscious, just like any other fight in the world. But I wouldn't be like shocked if Usman wins this fight. And you mentioned the Gilbert Burns fight, AK. And I think Kamar Usman may have to go back to that fight in order to win. 
because if this is a technical, let's have a wrestling match, I'm going to test my American wrestling versus yours, Hamzad, what you bring to the table, it's going to be a bad, bad night for Kamaru Usman. Kamaru Usman's takedown defense is really, really good. It's one of the highest we've ever seen. And that might be very helpful in this fight because if at any point in this fight, ladies and gentlemen, Hamzat Shemaev takes Kamar Usman down and Usman ends up on his back and Shemaev ends up on top of him, this fight is over. Hamza is going to rain terror upon this man. But if Usman's takedown defense can hold up and he can keep this fight standing and this becomes a kickboxing match, I'm not saying Shemaev can't win it, but Usman has a very good chance of winning that kind of a fight. And if Usman comes up and just kind of has that not get or get God attitude, but like a step below that where he's mining his P's and Q's, but is a little more reckless than we're used to seeing him. I think he's got a real good chance of winning this fight. If he can lure Shamayev into a battle, like an absolute stand-up war, I think he's got a shot. But if this turns into a battle against the fence, Shamayev is going to get that man down and then he's going to absolutely pummel him until this fight is over. So my pick is a super fun fight. I think Usman might have a mo- Usman might even hurt him in the first round. He might land something big. And then Shamayev's going to get his wits about him. He's going to get this fight to the ground, and he's just going to smash this man. So give me Hamza Shamayev inside the distance. I don't know if it's going to be a submission or a TKO, but eventually this fight's going to hit the mat, and it's all Shamayev once it does. So there you go. That's Anybody? Uh, the YouTube, I just want to say the YouTube vote, 69% Shemaev. So pretty, pretty firmly in uh, the big band's corner. Yes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We also got Magomed Ankalai versus Johnny Walker, a pretty high stakes fight that no one's talking about, which is crazy to think about with all these changes in 12 days. One of these guys could be fighting the winner of the co-main event of UFC 285. I mean, if Jamal Hill is not ready to go, it's going to be one of these guys. And there's a lot riding on the not only the fight itself, but the performance of the man who wins. Because if we get a lackluster 30-27 from either guy, they ain't getting a title shot. But if one of these guys goes out and gets a big finish... They just might. Ikram Alaskarov is back. He's the biggest favorite on the card. Saeed Nurmagomedov is back. We get Tim Elliott, Muhammad Makhayev, amongst other fights. So before we go to the peeps, Shaheen, low-key banger. What's the fight outside of the top two that you are most intrigued in and why? Hmm. That's tough because it is a good lineup, right? You look up and down. You can find little nuggets here and there for most of these fights that will keep you intrigued. I would say two for me, right? Tim Elliott, Muhammad Mahayev inherently because I am still on the Muhammad Mahayev train. I'm very interested to see how he handles a jump up in competition. This has been something we've sort of been waiting for for him to get this kind of level leveling up against the guys that he's facing. It hasn't really been an impressive slate of opposition for him so far, but also he's very young. 4-0 in the UFC is ultimately 4-0 in the UFC and three of those finishes. You can't discount it. I just also kind of really love what Tim Elliott's doing recently. The the pettiness of this is totally unrelated to the actual fight itself, but the pettiness of sponsoring uh, the BKFC fighter for reasons that you may you can go ahead and look up. I'm here for that kind of pettiness always. 
Uh, and so I don't know. I'm just I, I'm very intrigued in this fight, but also I will say I'll throw it out there because I know Casey. Uh, give a shout out to Casey's boy, Victor Henry, Javid Basharat. That's a banger. That's an absolute banger. Javid Basharat might be a guy in this bantamweight division, like a a capital all caps guy in this bantamweight division sooner rather than later. And Victor Henry's always in very fun fights, uh, and I know Casey's got a soft spot for him. So those two, those two will have my attention. Shaheen, have you seen the betting lines for that fight? For the Victor Henry fight? I would assume Victor is a very big underdog. Javid Basharat is a minus 535 favorite against Victor Henry. Tough, tough scenes. What do you think about that, Casey? They're calling out your boy. (laughs) Plus 400, Casey. Go get it. Weeks out. Yeah. All right. All right. Whatever. Betters. Do your thing. (laughs) (laughs) AK, Loki Banger. I like the opener, man. I think they're starting this card off right with Shara Bullet and uh, Blindado Silva. Uh, Blindado, one of the underrated um, action guys in the UFC. I think I, I, I hope he doesn't get lumped into the middleweighty like middleweight blob because he is not that guy. Um, he generally, again, either has really good stand up, but really good stand up <laughs> fights, or someone is getting <laughs> someone is getting KO'd. I think that's going to be the case here. Uh, I think Shara, or I think you know Shara's favored. I, I think he, he. I'm probably picking him to win by knockout. It could easily go the other way. Blindado is so dangerous, but this is this is the right test for a guy like uh, Shara Bullet, who is entering uh, the UFC with plenty of hype. Some people thought he could have been signed like last year. They said you know he could have come even sooner. Um, he's he's an, he's an intriguing cat and. Uh, I think right off the bat they're gonna they're gonna set the tone for what it's gonna be a memorable show. I love that pick a lot. Uh, I wish this fight was a little higher on the card, just so I could see it because I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to catch it live. But man, Charbel is so fun to watch. The dude is a wrecking ball. So great way to start off the card. Nathaniel Wood has been on a nice run. Muhammad Naimov going back to 145. This is a dude that was losing on the cards to Jamie Malarkey and then iced him in a short-notice debut up a weight class. And now he's going down to, to fight Nathaniel Wood, who's looked real good at 145. There's a lot to like here. There's a lot. Trevor Peaks freaking fighting Muhammad Yaya. You know that is going to be absolute mayhem because Trevor Peaks involved. There's some good fights here. Some good fights, some potential squash matches, and intrigue up the top. That's kind of what you're looking for to check off all the boxes for a pay-per-view event. So we will bring in E. Casey Lydon, the disgruntled E. Casey Lydon after hearing those betting lines. Maybe he's happy about those betting lines. Maybe he knows something that we don't and he might cash in on a, on a plus 400 underdog. But let's hear from the peeps, Casey. UFC 294. Let me just say, poor Nathaniel Wood, that dude is never going to get a fight that matters ever. Like he is going to be winning. He's going to be winning in the UFC for like eight years and just never get a chance to fight anybody of, of consequence. It's it's tough run. It's pretty wild, man. Yeah, Looking at like him. you would think after the Andre Feely one, they would give him the guy. They would give him somebody like a Barboza or somebody. But nah, man. You keep fighting these tough tough dudes. No one knows. Yep. Yeah. Why is that? He's an exciting fighter. He's. I don't very marketable has like a big yeah, fan base. Yeah, I don't good personality. That's a that's a weird one. All right, yeah, you're right. Also, all I right. am all for an increased usage in the word blob on this podcast slash video network. I think Definitely. blob is heavily <laughs> underused, and frankly, that's that's on us. That's we on have me. to be we have to that's be gentle us. with it. We have to be gentle with it, though. I think we want to use it to describe you know concepts and not necessarily people. I think describing people yeah. could get a little ugly. We don't want to do that, so. You know, we're 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 polite around here. 
Middleweighty middleweight blob is is perfect usage. Perfect uh-huh. usage. I'm, I'm gonna try to fit that in once per podcast. Do it. Show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, um, I've got so many questions about this, and we kind of talked about it, but I don't know. I feel I feel shame just like don't do it, about Casey. It. Don't do it, Casey. God damn it! I knew you were gonna do it. <laughs> Does a win on Saturday make Volk the goat? No. Next question. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, can't, yeah, can't do it. Yeah. Just can't do it. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, uh, um. I wish New York Rick was here. He's the one person that likes that question more than Shaheen does. Uh, are the featherweight and lightweight divisions screwed if Volk pulls off the upset on Saturday? So for those who have listened to all of our shows or watched all of our shows, this is one of the points of contention Jed has had when it comes to booking this fight is because it could screw up both of these divisions if Volkanovski wins. So are, do you have that concerned here, Shaheen, about this fight? If Volk wins, are you concerned that lightweight becomes even more stagnant than it's been and that featherweight slows down a little bit because that is a super deep division that's still on the rise but not really there just yet? Yeah, mildly, but not really, right? Like we talked about this when we were talking about the main event, or at least I did. Like if there's anybody that I trust to be this guy, to be this active two-division champion in these two very interesting divisions, it's Alexander Volkanovsky. Just because he has the receipts. He has shown us he is willing to be of the Max Holloway, give me all of the flavor of cupcakes, I just want to eat every cupcake type of style of matchmaking. And I'm here for that, right? Like if anybody can do it, it's Volk. That being said, he's still human. So like obviously things will slow down probably a little bit. Uh, but I don't know. I believe him. Oh, I You're concerned. The featherweight division, big time. What's that? Yeah. Because he just why, – why? Why? I mean why would he – he doesn't – To break records. He's not interested in breaking think, Volk Otto's record. He's not I think, interested I think, in breaking Otto's record. Yeah, he is. I think Volk is very much in, invested in going down I as think, the featherweight coat. I think he'll go for 70. I think he's one of those guys. I think he's going to do a little, little Connor, just keep going up. He, there is no way on earth that short man he is going to try to go that. for the welterweight title. See, 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 see how excited Mike <laughs> talking about it? He's like, ooh. No, I'm not. A, no, 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 no. I'm not excited about it, but he should absolutely do that because that's what Makachev's been talking about the whole build mm-hmm. to this fight. If I win this fight, I'm going up to 170. I'm really serious about it. Well, why give? I'm not going to give uh, Makachev rematch. I'm going to go up to 170. You even said it, Shaheen. The window is short. And you think the UFC wouldn't at least entertain that idea? Because mm-hmm. they certainly no. would. They would he'd have to make, He'd have to vacate the featherweight title to do that, though. And I'd be totally fine with that. In fact, if he wins tomorrow, I kind of hope he vacates the featherweight title. I don't understand that, why you need I to like carry that. both this is why I, this is so dumb. I like that this a lot. So dumb. It's so, so dumb. dumb. Just... This is so and if Makachev wants to go up to one seventy, win the title, awesome. Awesome. win the win, break records, win the break records, go down as the best in that division. That's what. That's the point. I'm Do that. Fine. I that's agree. The, I agree. I agree with all of this, but just pick one. If you're gonna fight for two belts, great. Have a plan to vacate one belt. We don't need the two division thing. Just because, like, if Volkanovski entered this fight and said, "I'm vacating the featherweight title," and then wins the lightweight title, are we gonna be like, "Well, it doesn't matter because he vacated the featherweight title"? No, he's still gonna go down as a two division champion, just like John Jones, just like some of these other guys. None of this shit matters. And if Makachev wants to go up to 170, bless you, go do it. But vacate the lightweight title before you do it. 
because it's still the same. We're still going to view you in the same light as all the other guys who won two belts. Just vacate. Let's move these divisions along. That's the answer to all of this. If you want to go for two belt status, awesome. But dump one of them when you win it or if you win it or before. If Volk wins on Saturday and then the UFC books him against the welterweight champion, I am personally sending an EMT and a, and a, a police officer to Jed Mashu's house to do a welfare <laughs> check on him because I am very deeply concerned about the health of my friend at that point. Actually, um, Jed would be okay with that. He'd be better, more so with that than the McGregor. I, I don't know, actually. I think no, he would be equally upsetting. If he um, vacated the featherweight title to do it, I think Jed would be all right with it. That 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 go that takes us back to I think the very the specific wording of this question are the divisions screwed? No, they're not screwed. They're not screwed. It's is it ideal for either one? I don't think so. Um, but yeah, uh, there 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 are big fights still be made even if Volkanovski leaves. And uh, 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 Mike, you've pointed out, of course, the perfect situation in Toronto. If my uh, you know while pointing out my my silly <laughs> Barbosa uh, Ilya Tapuria pick that they can easily. The division can move on with Max Holloway fighting Elliot Tupuria for a interim or vacant title, depending what happens uh, in the event of a Volkanovski win. So that division will move along. Plenty of great fights there. Lightweight will be a, a, a little bit murky. Um, but again, if Volkanovski just stays at, at, at lightweight, then there's just a lot of big fights to be had there. So they're not screwed. They're not screwed. D- does it become a bit irritating to sort of uh, work out the permutations that could happen in these divi- two divisions should Volkanovski win? Yeah, it's going to it's gonna give us headaches for a bit. Uh, Jed will be shouting a lot, but I don't think it'll take long for it to settle down and for us to kind of find uh, enjoyment in these divisions again. So I'm not that worried about it. There ain't nothing murky about Volkanovski versus Justin Gaethje. No murkiness at all. Great fight. Just sign me it. up for that. Sign me up for that. Or Volk versus Charles Oliveira. That Volk versus Alex Pereira, you know? He's coming from the <laughs> We're just After he doing wins the We're just, just letting this go. Should go fight Sean Strickland. Avenge the loss of your buddy. Let's go. The sky's well, the limit. One thing I find, I find interesting is like we talk about Volk winning, but no one's talking about a direct tri- uh, a trilogy, immediate trilogy. Why not? I well, think I think that's part of this if, question. If Volk though. wins, there will be a trilogy. Yeah, you I think, think that's part of it. I think that's part of Joseph Bose's question is like, because you factor that in as well, how much is that going to hurt both divisions if but, Bulk wins and we get an immediate trilogy? If Bulk wins, but are, but are, we going, are we going to get a trilogy? Do you think? Well, I'll pay it. I'll I pay think it they would, yes. I, I will. Ab- yeah. If Volk wins, they're going to let him defend the title against Ilya Taporia, the featherweight title, if he wants to do that. And then the, his next fight will be against Islam Makachev. Like they're just, that, at that point, that's what we're stuck in. We're stuck in the DC Stipe three years mm-hmm. of, yeah. of heavyweight type of cycle. Even if Volk was, runs him tomorrow, you think that's the case? Yeah, I do. I agree. I'm machine. I don't yeah. know. They will. They will run him. I don't know. Help, I'm not saying. I, I don't know either. Out. I don't know either. Honestly, because yeah. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 sold on that. I'm, I'm not saying Islam is seen as like Aljamain Sterling, and since like Sterling absolutely deserves a rematch against O'Malley, but he's just not getting one because oh, he's not gonna get it. This isn't. Yeah. This isn't a real sport. Or I, I don't think know the, what this is. But, I think the UFC but, is invested in Islam Magachev. They're invested I, I agree, in that I agree. region. They have told his story very well for them, right? We grade on a scale. They don't tell a lot of guys' stories well. They've told his story very well. The connection with Habib will always be there. And ultimately, he has a very powerful manager who, who has a lot of sway with the UFC. And he's doing the UFC a solid here. He's doing them a favor by accepting this fight to begin with and throwing off the quotes that he's throwing off that Dana White's going to put at the wall of the UFC office. Like, he will get a rematch if he loses, regardless of how he loses. But he if also, he wants it, that powerful manager yeah. also manages the number one contender as well. 
And so Justin wouldn't you know it, Justin Gaethje will be fighting for an interim title while we're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, oh, God. I, never mind. I was going to say something. He ridiculous. also manages another maybe potential free agent Bellator champion. Who knows? It's <laughs> Who true. Might be coming over. It's, it could get crazy. So, We're going to get yeah. Justin Gage and Patty Pimblett for the interim title after Patty fights Tony oh, Ferguson. Amazing. World. Joseph Bozak, uh, don't see, happening. I don't know what you're talking about. That fight. Joseph Bozak, do you feel do you feel better now? Do you feel better? We've we've laid out some pretty great lightweight and featherweight scenarios, so don't worry about it. Sleep tight, my friend. Sleep tight. Uh, Love you, Joseph. Love you. Yeah. Uh, where does Walker go with a KO win over Ankaliyev, or even a win over Ankaliyev? Where does Walker go with the lost Ankaliyev? Great preview show today. Love you guys. Big Johnny Walker fan, apparently. Uh, we love you too, Boris Daniels. We really do. This fight is yeah. so underappreciated the importance of this fight. This fight is just as important as the co-main event, I feel. Sure. Well, you know why. You know why it's underappreciated. Does nobody know why? Okay, I'll tell you why. It's because both these guys have incredibly boring performances, like littering their recent records. Like, that's just the reality of the situation. There's a very high chance that this fight sucks. And, like, I'm not, I don't subscribe to the Ankaliyev Blakowicz fight sucked narrative that seems to just be pervasive. Like, because of Dana White. yeah, always in the well on that because yeah. that fight was like perfectly fine and it was actually really courageous performance by Ankaliyev. Uh, but ultimately, like half of these guys' fights suck recently, and I think there's a decent chance this one could suck. So I think that's probably why. Yeah, I think I think so we're talking more entertainment. To- we're not talking actually sport here. We're just talking. I, well, I I I don't know, like- Casey. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just. I was well, either way. I, I I don't know if I I don't know if I agree with. Uh, I I don't know if I agree with Shaheen on that. But I will say it's also like light heavyweight is so screwed up right now. It's hard to look at any fight and say like, oh well, this person's definitely guaranteed to get a light heavyweight title shot. All we know is Yuri Prohashka is fighting Alex Pereira. Fingers crossed, nothing crazy happens. Someone leaves there with the light heavyweight title and then is healthy enough in the next 12 months to defend the title at least one. That's all we have right now. That's all we have because we just don't know. The last year of the light heavyweight situation has been so bizarre, maybe the most bizarre stretch uh, in the history of that that title's history. In the history of that title's history. Anyway, in that title's history. Um, So I think we're also a little hesitant to go like, well, obviously, Ankalaya is a top five light heavyweight. He should get a title shot if he wins. If Johnny Walker beats him, he would take that spot. He should get a title shot if he wins. I'm just not comfortable trying to predict anything going forward past uh, Prochka Padena. So I think that's an element as well. This one will determine whether or not the light heavyweight title will be defended quickly or it's going to be a long time because if this fight stinks, Jamal they will wait. They will wait till next October for Jamal Hill. They will do that <laughs> if one of these guys gets a quick finish. And we don't know. Jamal Hill could be back sooner. We don't know how bad the injury is. Jamal seems like a like a guy that wants to rehab very quickly, so he could be go good to go by like International Fight Week or something. But if one of these guys goes out there and just melts the other, and they're just like. Pereira, Prohashka, who people are going to want to see, especially if Prohashka wins to make up for lost time, one of these guys could slide right in there before Jamal Hill. It's very possible. But to me, I'm not even like Johnny Walker, cool. I think outside of the actual main event, I think more is riding on Magomed Ankaliyev tomorrow than anybody else on this card. A win is not enough for this man. He needs to go out and destroy Johnny Walker, and he's going to do it in an impressive and entertaining way. Because I true, I think he's the best 205er in the UFC. I really do. 
No, I, I think I agree everyone's going to have a I hard time with, with this guy. But he's not going to sell one pay-per-view. Not one he needs to change the narrative. He needs to. Him. There's yeah, a narrative exactly. around him right now that is kind of true, but not really true. And a lot of it's because of Dana White, and he really badly needs to change that narrative. Yeah, he goes out there and works Johnny Walker and finishes him. He gains a ton here, and same with Johnny Walker because the the Anthony Smith fight left a bad taste in people's mouths when it comes to Johnny Walker. So. This is a very important fight, not just for the stakes meritocratically, but for where these guys could go. A win is not enough here. It's got to be a fun fight or it's got to be an impressive, thrilling finish that makes the Bob O'Reilly video or at least somewhere close to that. And it's not fair. It shouldn't be that way. But that's where we're at right now, which especially with Jamal Hill lurking. Hmm. Okie dokie. Also, I see DB in the comments asking, when does this card start? 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern. AM, baby. AM. Love it. I love it. I love it so much. Will Ikram get the fast track towards the title picture with another impressive finish? Oh, by the way, sorry, before we get to this question, I, I just blanked out there for a second. I want to add, did you guys see... <laughs> Uh, this happens. I have moments where my mind, just, no, because I'm, I'm, I'm researching. Hey, you go away. Hey, 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 hey Kaser, guys. Okay. Obviously, obviously, I listen to you guys because I'm, I'm, I'm commenting based on the the start time question. Um, did you guys see that the the prelims will be on ESPN MMA's YouTube? Did you see I did that? Not see Okay, so it's in the email. It's in uh, we all get the ESPN whatever plus we get the email like the the broadcast schedule. So it is noted ESPN MMA's YouTube. Now I actually couldn't find it th this morning because I live in Canada. We don't have it's kind of tied to ESPN plus. So I'm only speaking for Americans here. Sorry for all the international uh, people in the comment section. I know we have a lot of them, but uh, I believe you guys. I should put the I'll put the link in our Slack maybe. I believe you guys in the United States, the good old US of A, uh, can watch the prelims for free. I don't think you need ESPN Plus. It is, it is just geo-locked. It is just geo-locked um, to the United States. I think you will see it on uh, YouTube. We, we will have a live stream post on May Fighting. So technically, you can watch uh, the eight UFC 294 prelims on uh, MMAfighting.com. So I just want people to – I want to let people know. Is where you're, where you're one-stop shop for MMA coverage. And uh, this time, uh, in a rare occasion, we will actually have uh, – it looks like we'll have pay-per-view prelims on our website. So please hop on in, guys. Great website. Mm -hmm. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. prelim start time. 10 a.m. ET uh, prelim start time. 7 a.m. Um, that's right. Uh, Pacific time. Breakfast uh, and violence, oh, baby. Breakfast and violence. Yes. Will Ikram? I mean, this will not be on the free prelims, but AK, will Ikram get the fast track if he finishes Warley Alves? I, you are muted. Okay, yeah, sorry, so I, I don't think so. I, I, I know we've got a fair – he's got a fair bit of hype behind him, uh, competed for good organizations before the UFC. He's got a nice win streak. It'll be seven straight if he wins on Saturday. He beat a very tough Phil Haas uh, in his first fight. Uh, fast track, no, and only because I think also middleweight, the top uh, – like the contender's picture is actually like looking okay at the moment. We kind of talk about Trickis is in there. Uh, we said, you know, the co-main event title implications there. I'm not saying he's far off, but I don't think he'll be faster. I think fast track is a bit um, would be the wrong phrase to use here. I think he needs to win like four fights. If you consider already, four fights to be he, fast tracking, he's, he's already been fast tracked. He was originally was he originally well, supposed so to face Costa? Is that true? That, so that's the thing. So Costa he would, and he would. Evolve, two guys who are top ten based off one win in the UFC. Is that correct? So he would have been fast tracked if Izzy was still the champion. Because they needed contenders for Izzy. 
Mm-hmm. Now they don't need contenders for Izzy yeah. nearly as bad. The deck is reshuffled, right. so I think there is not a level of urgency at 185 to get any potential new exciting challenger up there as fast as possible. That does not exist anymore. So I think if mm-hmm. this if this was a different world where Izzy timing, was still champion, timing. Yeah. the answer to this question would be yes. But right now, as it stands, I think it's no. Yep. I don't know if that's true. Oh, I'll tell you what. Best friend. What I'll tell got? you what. If Hamza Chimaev runs over Kamara Usman and then wins the middleweight title, they are absolutely going to fast track Kicker Mouskara. Oh, there's a story here. There's a story. Yeah. Who is yeah, Hamza, yeah. Who is Hamza Chimaev put over more in his career than Iker Mouskara? The answer is nobody. And that includes Gilbert Burns or anybody else he's fought. He says to this day, by far the hardest fight of my career was Iker Mouskara. They will build this I, thing to yes, some point. And, 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 for people who don't I disagree. For people who don't know, Shamayev is the one in fourteen and one of uh, Ikram Alaskiro's record. For people who are, who are unaware, yes. there's the, he is the and one. It was good, and it's a fun fight to watch. By the way, by the way, Ikram Alaskiro's going to fight for the middleweight title at some point. He's that good. I agree the with that. that. I agree. The fact that. that this man had a fight on Dana White's Contender Series to get into the UFC is a travesty. It's an absolute travesty. He is so much better than most of the guys that have come in off the show. He is incredibly good. And don't let the opening stages of the Phil Haas fight fool you. He's going to kill Warley Alves tomorrow. He's just going to do it. This guy's real, real good. You'll see. You'll see. I but agree he'll be with in the this second very soon. I agree with the second point you made. I think the first one is maybe just a little misguided just because the way that 185 is shaped right now, there are so many people that need to get through this line, right? Whether it's DDP, Izzy coming back, whoever wins this fight on Saturday, like middleweight is just really backed up right now in a way that I don't think they're expediting anybody. Yeah, maybe. But you have to think about the guys that are behind Izzy because like we don't know when Izzy's coming back. That's one. DDP, but that's the thing. That looms, right? That's always somebody who's going to shortcut the line. And then DDP is and then there. And then this Cannonier winner will be Roman there. Roman Delede's fighting. I don't think, you know, Canair will have somewhat of a case. But I don't he know. He weighed if in, Mike. Mike, he weighed in. He's guaranteed. He weighed in. Be, I don't know. If weighed in is the ultimate decider, Mike. He was the backup fighter. <laughs> How could you not man. give it to him? He it's was the backup fighter. I mean, we got Paul Craig and Brennan Allen about to headline at the Apex. <laughs> For the middleweighty middleweight title, like that's a huge fight. But Iker Malaskara might just get above both of those guys. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But he's got to go out there and do work and and look like a minus seven hundred favorite tomorrow. Yeah, I think I think everyone's kind of correct. I think I think the big thing is going to be just timing, and sense of who's ready, who's not available, the region, the pay per views in. Is it is it like the Saudi Arabia? Is it going to be a pay per view? Do we know? Or now fight. But I'm sure it's gonna be a really loaded fight night type of for for Saudi Arabia. So who knows? And we also got a young man named Bo Nickel coming up the way yes. too. So don't forget him. And and now that we've said all this, uh, Worley Alves first round knockout. By the way, now Worley Alves it doesn't matter. He's gonna he's gonna just shock the world and jump up jump back up to 185 and just is that the big, is that the would that be the biggest shocker on the main at least on the main oh, card? Yeah, that I would be pretty so. stunning. He is Worley, Worley is showing up to get a paycheck. I mean, he is be, wow. he is he is he is, he is not wow. fought at one. Wow. No, I mean, he, is, he wow. has not fought. A, listen, he has not fought at one eighty five for a long time. He's you're not. About, a you're, talk, you're talking about Usman. Why, why you say the same thing about Usman? <laughs> why, why, why is why is Worley get this this are we, are, we com- are we comparing <laughs> Worley and Usman I, I'm now? Compa- is this I'm the, comparing is this the men road we want to go trying down? to live their dream. I'm trying men uh-huh. trying to uh-huh. just get that get that check. Yeah. Why, why isn't why doesn't Kamara Usman get that whole? He's just doing it for the money. 
I think Usman has a chance to win. I don't think Worley Alves does. I think that's pretty clear. I don't think he's... <laughs> And I like Worley. I like Worley. He was the. Oh, you, you like it? What are you buds with him? So um, <laughs> we might be. We might be. He was the ultimate fighter, Brazil middleweight winner. All right. He kind of already has a middleweight oh, title under his oh, belt. God. Okay. Oh. He's got one of those. He's got one of those ultimate fighter plaques at home at 185 pounds, certified. But it's been a long time, and I do think he's being trotted out to get smashed. So. Does Usman have a middleweight belt? Does Usman have a middleweight belt? No. So he doesn't have yeah. a plaque. He oh no, he does have an ultimate <laughs> fighter plaque, but it wants to say 170, whatever. What else has he done there? Only weigh 170 pounds. Yeah. yeah. I just this is just such a, a clear demonstration of how obscenely cruel the fight game is. Because if you oh, go yeah. back to if you go back to 2015 when Worley just subbed Colby Covington, like yeah. he was the guy, man. He was the next big thing. And now y'all are just talking about him like he's me that they're trotting out there to fight me. <laughs> Jelts Sonnen uh, was his coach on the Ultimate Fighter, and on the show he was—he's thirty-two. He said, he's thirty-two. He said he's not even it's a old hard, man. He's like he's still in his young, long time. Young How old is he in fight years? How old is he in fight years? Though he's been fighting for a long time. He's uh, thirty-one years. I love. Okay, we're we're at, we're at twelve. Year. He's at the twelve-year mark. He's at the twelve-year mark. It's tough. Uh, but Chael Sonnen once said this guy would be a future UFC champion. So there's still time. I don't know. That'd be incredible. Like if he go if he knocks out Iker Malaskarov tomorrow, the, the reaction <laughs> on the watch party is going to be incredible. <laughs> Prove me wrong, Morley. He, he subbed Colby in eighty six seconds, and this Certainly is how did. we talk about him. Certainly did. <laughs> um, I don't think we've got confirmation from the UFC, but um, according to uh, Mikhaev. <laughs> Did you hear about oh, this? I don't, I don't no, know. I didn't hear about. Oh, um, Mikhaev claimed Mikhaev that. Out. No flags again. They took they took away flags. Hmm. We also have to understand that. We also have to understand that region thing. So somebody's feelings got hurt. Apparently, somebody's feelings got hurt. Makayo says things sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, As I said, we haven't got confirmation from the UFC, but Makayo did put it out there that they they are taking flags away. We'll see tomorrow night. Something to keep an eye on. Something to keep an eye on a fight night for sure. My immediate reaction is, A, I wonder if this is actually true because I would be surprised if it is. But then, B, if it is, that feels like that's probably an Israel-Palestine Arab region thing generally, trying to prevent something, right? That would make a lot of sense, yes, given that, yeah. Given but, also, I, I, but also, I doubt that this is true. But we'll, I don't know. Did we get an answer? What was up with all the booing about India at the press conference? I I think did, did, someone did, did, play, I, did I misinterpret that or is it? I, I heard I Dana think. was confused as well, and I think it's because there was I don't know if there were some fans from Pakistan who said they wanted a card in Pakistan, and not maybe that's what it was. It was just it was just a, we want it in our country, not in India. Some that no, I don't think it was anything like offense. I, I assume it wasn't anything political or racial. Just like hey, we, what, what about us? We want we want a card first. I think that's what it, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Right. Dana was very confused, and it was like what the what what <laughs> why is this, why right. is there booing happening? Yeah, so I don't. All right, one last question. Do, 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 uh. What do we got? Hmm. Uh, do oh, we expect right. lose that Kamara will stay in middleweight? Dude, I don't know what Kamara does if he loses. This is a very unexpected second like chapter for him, post-prime chapter for him that I think none of us saw coming. I genuinely have no idea what happens if he loses. Yeah. If, according to, I think, Mark Ramondi, he was the fourth option or something. 
So yeah, dude, that I'm telling you that 24 hour, go listen to that heck of a morning when we talked about the fight week chaos, where I could actually tell that story. Cause everything Mark wrote, um, like was real. It's all legit. It was crazy. And it all started with like a random phone call I got from somebody who never calls me unless it's like something bad happened or something crazy happened. Cause it's always text. But if I see that person's phone number, like, Oh, something's <laughs> up. Something's up. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe why? So I talked to Chris Weidman cause we did the, the swing rounds, which is like, you're going to see a little, you're going to see a little piece of a, a preview of what that's going to look like in the future. We're going to start putting it together next week, but uh, Weidman doesn't believe he's going to stick around at 85 very long. I know Bo Nichols talked about that. He doesn't think he's going to stick around very long either. So this is a paycheck. That's man. a great question. Yeah. This is a great question, but well, he also has uh, the most to gain out of maybe yeah. anybody on this. Oh, card. it's easily career wise. This is just so smart. Like, like the house money, like we hear that term a lot. He, I think he's the true fighter playing of house yeah. money on this card. Yep. Outside of actual physical violence. 1,000%. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. hurt his legacy. He's nope. God knows how many fights away from ever fighting for the welterweight title again. Unless Colby beats uh, Leon and that maybe sets up a shot. But if, if Leon wins, he's so far away from another welterweight title shot. There's, right, there's, what was the motivation for getting back in there and grinding his way to another shot? Um if, if uh, and uh, sorry to go to this question, it's really more if he loses, if he wins, of course he's going to stay at one eighty five. He's going to go for a title shot. Uh, how long he would stay after that, I don't know. Like he, let's say he, let's say best case scenario for him, he wins, beats Sean Strickland. Is he sticking around to defend the middleweight title? You know, three or four wow, times. I, he has the belt. We're, we're just. I'm, I'm like just saying. Really I'm, I'm going. Yeah. I, I literally <laughs> said like best best case scenario if that yeah. happened. I don't know if he sticks. He might. He probably pulls a GSP. Right. He probably wins the title and says, "I'm going out on top." I'm not, I'm done. I don't want to, def- I'm, I am a smaller, you know, welterweight. Maybe I could beat some of these guys in 85, but it's a lot to ask. He'll be 37 years old probably by the time he even gets a shot at Strickland. It'd be a great way to go out as a two-division champion. So I, I think I the better can't. question is, does he stick around for a long at 185? But um, I, I think I think if he sticks around at 185, it won't be for long. But of course, if he wins, he's going to stick around. He's going to get that, that title shot. I just can't stop thinking about that potential legacy shift that Kamara would undergo. Like something that none of us actually thought would be possible of just perfect timing, right place, right time, timing, right opposition, timing. right middleweight champion. The guy he's already beaten. Like, can you imagine if Kamaru over the next eight months does like this weird Michael Bisping thing where he gets this, <laughs> this late chapter that none of us thought and goes down as a two division champ. That completely changes the way we talk about him from a yeah. historical perspective. Is he favored? Is he favored against Strickland, Usman? If they, oh, if I don't he, know. It would right. depend on what the Shamaya performance. Okay, looks like. true, probably true, not. True, true. Yeah, if he goes yeah. out there and yeah. starches Hamzat, I think yeah. he would probably Huge be. Favorite. Yeah, I mean, I'm not it, picking yeah. Usman, but out. also Shamayev is not proven at middleweight. He's not proven at all at middleweight. He's not proven so, at really any weight. Like the well, Gilbert Burns thing, you can give him, but outside of that, yeah. But Kamaru's beaten Gilbert too, you know. Like, yeah, more, 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 more emphatically. Yeah, that's sure that's to me. It's it's, it's it's super interesting. All right, that's it. All right, I'm excited. Hey, this, I'm, I'm so excited for this card. Can I say I am more super questions. excited? Yeah. Yes. More questions tomorrow morning with Jed yes. and maybe AK will tag in too. Who the hell knows? People's Free Fight Show, nine fifteen a.m. Eastern oh. time, right around that area. Six fifteen a.m. my time. Yeah. Jeez. Sure. Watch party 1:45 p.m. Eastern, 10:45 a.m. Pacific. 
super excited. It's like the one year anniversary of the watch party. Started at UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi last year, and now we're back at it again. And then all sorts of fun stuff. Jose in Abu Dhabi, all the winners, press co- well, the post-fight press coverage as well, winner interviews along the way, post-fight show. We're going to do a little live reaction on the MMA fighting TikTok right Ooh. after the event ends. So stay tuned for that. And then AK and I will be back on Sunday for a live edition of On to the Next One to do some matchmaking. So thank you all very much for Casey, for Shaheen, for AK. I am Mike Heck. Get some sleep, everybody. Get your coffee ready, and we'll see you tomorrow. Let's go D-backs. Back in this, baby. Go Strohs. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.